0: Jason Waller here, True Underdog Podcast and YouTube channel. Listen, make sure you subscribe today. You can go to iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can go to our YouTube channel, True Underdog, or you can visit trueunderdog.com and subscribe to all of it.
1: Hey, what is up, everybody? Jeremy here. And as always, I'm bringing you guys some incredible people that are doing really big things. And I got to tell you, I am very excited for today's episode because I actually got a chance to go on his podcast. And I'm like, dude, why the fuck am I not interviewing you? Welcome to the Create Your Own Life Show, Jason Waller. Bam! How you doing, baby? <laughs> now,
0: hey, hey, man. I didn't wear think, a Superman I, shirt. I got a true underdog podcast shirt. My muscles don't look as good as yours, but I'm working on it.
1: I think that's the earliest in the podcast I've ever dropped an expletive, by the way. that that That's pretty extreme. So uh, good. That, that's I, a I, good sign, by <laughs> the way.
0: 2021, we're fucking ready, right?
1: Hell yeah. Well, I, I think the thing I found really inspiring uh, about you, Jason, is you and I kind of got into this conversation um, on your show about like the education system and how a lot of it doesn't, you know, really set people up for success. And in a lot of ways, you're very self-made. And I'm just, I guess I'm interested first off to find out like, you, you know, you've had a ton of success to this point. Your company's grown—I, I, I don't even know how many hundreds of percents and thousands of percents in the last number of years. You know, three-time entrepreneur of the year, but you didn't start there. And I'm, I'm guess, I'm curious, like, what, what made you want to be an entrepreneur? You know, you said you had said a second ago that like, you couldn't spell it, um, but you know, you, you did it anyway.
0: Yeah, I couldn't spell it, and my, you know, that was part of the EY process. But my parents were blue collar, and I watched my dad have an opportunity. He worked for AT and T. He worked third shift, then he worked second shift. He was a mm-hmm. union steward. My mom worked in a, in a bakery at a grocery store, decorating cakes and making wow. Cakes. And so we didn't have a lot. We had enough. We were a little less than I would say middle class. But sure, uh, when we moved to North Carolina, my dad had an opportunity right before we moved to go into business with a friend of his who had video stores when they were cool, right? Before Blockbuster, when video stores were banging. Oh, uh, don't even back- get
1: me started on Blockbuster, man. Like, I don't know who the hell needs to rent a movie for seven days. Like, that was some of the dumbest shit I've ever experienced.
0: Dude, that was my first job was at a <laughs> video store to be like, can you not rewind it? It's
1: five days late. What's wrong with you? Like I, I remember renting Sega Genesis games from the video store back in the day, man. Oh, that's so...
0: I remember the teen, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games and stuff like that. Yeah. So we... Um, He had an opportunity to open up a sub shop and my mom a bakery next to a video store. My dad's friend. I remember I was 14 years old. I heard my dad tell my mom, I don't know if we should move. Mike's offered me an opportunity. And my dad got scared and he played to not lose instead Mm. of he played safe and he said, I've got two younger kids, meaning my brother and sister got asthma. I've got like eight years left, 10 years left at AT ATT. I'm just, let's just transfer. So we transferred to North Carolina. We ended up ended up buying a trailer. We lived in a trailer park. I didn't even know what that was. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know it made me less than, but I started to go to school in North Carolina. And I'll tell you this, Jeremy, Southern hospitality is bullshit. So I've had a <laughs> lot of friends from the South, but it's all about how much money people make. They want to have contests. Who? Where do you live? What do you drive? How much money do yeah. you make? Why do your parents live there? All this frustration that kicks in And that's the shit that you go through in the South. And I I wasn't used to that. Growing up in Phoenix, Arizona, I was, I peaked in eighth grade, dude. Like I was voted probably, I'm joking, but most popular in eighth grade. I go to high school in North Carolina. I live in a trailer. I got that going against me. I got fake tummy heel figures. I got that going against me. They're talking shit. You know, I drive a car finally, when I get my license that uh, me and you going out to dinner costs more than my car did. Mm. And People would make fun of me and I wasn't used to that. I was Mm -hmm. used to being cool because I could fight or I had girlfriends or I played sports. I wasn't used to not being cool because I could still do all those things, but I had no money. Right. And so I, I watched my dad, and I understand why he did it. I mean, I've got kids of my own and everything else. Mm-hmm. I watched him play it safe. And I always told myself, if that horse comes by, my ass is jumping on. I am not going to be scared to take chances, and I want to play to win. And I've always had that mentality, you know, getting into sales and opening a business. And really, I found out bouncing around through high schools. I never did drugs. I always got kicked out for fighting or arguing. Yeah. getting in a fist fight, and I've never started a fight in my life. But, or uh, arguing with teachers. I had a problem with authority figures because Mm -hmm. I felt like, man, there's so much more I could do. There's so many things here. And I just, I didn't like the control or being dictated what to do. Yeah, so when I started getting the workplace, I had a podcast called 25 Jobs Before I Was 24. I <laughs> 25 jobs before I was 24. I realized I got to work for myself. Yeah. I can't work for other people. I got to work for myself and help other people and grow. And so I feel like it's interesting
1: it, too, because like once you get to a, a certain point and you have work for yourself for a little bit, yeah, um, you start to also become like unemployable, right? Like you you, you kind of know what yeah. you want to the point that you couldn't work for somebody. That's true. That's true. O- or at a young
0: age, I got jobs I was never supposed to have.
1: Mm-hmm. At,
0: you know, I worked at a bank. I had a fake ID. Please don't do this, listeners. But back in the day when you know, I was younger, a fake ID when I was 18 said I was 22 and I, and I fibbed on a resume saying I had a two-year degree. So I got a job at a bank that yeah. I should have never had making 65 grand a year at 18 years old. I'm still supposed to be a senior in high school and I'm their number one salesperson, period. And they kept me, they found out later and they still kept me because I'm the number one salesperson <laughs> on the phone. And I'm not talking about well, a little money, I'm money about talks, man. Center. That's right. I'm talking yeah. about a big call center there. So that kind of infectious attention makes you go, Man, I, there's so much more out there for me. I'm really good at this. I need to do something bigger and better. And I just have a real strong drive to to not want to live the life that my parents did. And that's not a knock on them, but mm-hmm. you know, you want more. I want my kids to not have to go through that. I mean, I was delivering papers with my dad in the middle of the night and then going to school in the morning. Wow, and he would go to I would, and it was for like 125 bucks a week. I'm mm-hmm. helping him deliver papers. It's just horrible.
1: Yeah, so. I, I can understand that, though. That's a real grind, man. Like I I had had a paper route from the time I was 11 until I was till I was 18. And, you know, you had to have those out, you know, either early in the morning, especially on Sunday mornings. So like, you know, you, you got to do what you got to do to make it happen. And sometimes that that work ethic is what's going to make you outwork the people that won't do it.
0: That's true. That's why I always say, look, I'm not the tallest. I'm not the fastest. Mm -hmm. Definitely not the most shape. Right. Sure. But nobody's going to fucking outwork me. Yeah. I'm going to grind like nobody's shit and I'm going to want it and be passionate more than anybody else. And as long
1: as I know that I'm great. So you had this, this desire, this, this, this need and this want to do something different. But then I guess like, how do you decide where to channel that energy though, as well? Because I feel like there's a lot of people that will look, I know you're, you're doing a lot in the solar world now, which, um, you know, many years ago, that wasn't, you know, as as interesting and as, as big as it is now. So, so I guess like, how did you decide, you know, where that first kind of area of interest was going to be? Because there's so many shiny objects you can chase, man.
0: I know. So I, you know, my first business I opened up was home security. Mm-hmm. And it was because when I was still in high school, I was I was telemarketing on the phone for a home security company, and I would call and be like, hey, Jeremy, you remember hanging out in the mall and registering to win that Dodge Durango? And you're like, yeah, great news. You're still in the runnings for that. But do you hear that? Yeah. You've actually been selected to win a free home security system. Installation's free, equipment's free. The only thing you have to pay for, Jeremy, is a dollar a day for the monitor and keeps the bad guys away. And if you fall and can't get up, you're going to be protected there. We'll get you that medical pendant. When can I schedule an installer to come out and do that? I was doing that at 16 and 17 years old in high school Mm. and crushing it. So I knew when I opened up a home security business around 24 years old, and I've kind of did corporate American, I wasn't getting promoted because of my age or my personality or, Mm. you know, I just wasn't, I wasn't polished enough. You know, I had raw talent where I could sell and I was hungry, but I wasn't polished. And it, it was, it was my... Healy's heel. When I opened up my first business and doing home security, I built that up. I mean, I opened it in a bedroom with a with a tile board from Home Depot that you buy for 12 bucks. And I put <laughs> it on the wall and I grabbed a Sharpie marker and that was the schedule. And I go to work at Verizon all day. Mm-hmm. And, and I did business account manager at Verizon. So I would sell... Uh, Blackberries to like companies mm-hmm. and tell them, this is the future. You're not going to use your landline and fax machine anymore. And they would be like, oh, really? And I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. This is the future. And they didn't believe me, but I knew it was, it's what we were told and I believed it and I was passionate about it. So I did well. Well, when I got into the home security business, I I worked both jobs for about nine months till I could quit Verizon and then do home security on mm-hmm. its own. I finally got an office. Well, I did that so well for like 10 or 12 years that I said, I'm bored of this. Everybody's Mm -hmm. doing it. I feel like this industry is kind of going down. What else can I do? Well, I saw in the West coast and the Northeast, people were really getting into the solar thing. And this was in 13, 14. Mm -hmm. So come 15, that's what I did. Sold the company in home security and got into solar and tried Mm -hmm. it. And boy, was that a rude awakening, but I love what it's about. I love that it's clean and green. I love that it eliminates the monopoly of the power company controlling our power and our cost. I sure. love that that you know you can store it and all the futuristic stuff. It reminds me of the cell phone business. When I got the cell phone business, you know in 01 and 02, that only 30% of people had cell phones. of mm-hmm. people just had landlines. So right. this was like solar, how does that work? It's like an alien. Like I've got an alien pet. People are like, holy <laughs> shit. That's what solar is and people want to Talk about it. I'm like, man, this is, if I can learn this, I don't care. I could sell ice, but if I can learn solar, dude, game changer. And I got excited. And that, that transition to get that thing started. And look, year one and two, I lost a shit ton of money. I had to sell my house. I didn't get a paycheck. All the money I made from home security had to go back into the business until I finally broke through and made it profitable.
1: Well, I, I want to get more into that in just a second, but I want to highlight something you just said because it's it's really important and it's an alignment with something I'm always telling this audience is you mentioned that, you know, you were selling cell phones, but at the same time you're building the security business. And I'm a big believer. Um, and, and I don't know if your viewpoints changed in this, but I'm a big believer in, you know, building that business and that first business while you already have something else. Yes. Because you make a lot of short-sighted decisions when you need to have those dollars or you need to like if we need 300 bucks to, to not eat ramen this week or to eat ramen in this week, you're going to make the decision that's going to make you money right now. Whereas to be successful, you need to make the decision that's going to put the business there six years from now, right?
0: Yeah, you're making decisions. You said it exactly right. You make decisions in fear because you need that money. Correct. But if you've already... That money, and you don't have to pay yourself, you mm-hmm. make wise decisions to grow the company and you reinvest in the company. I have like a motto if you open a business, people think shit, I'm gonna open a business, I'm gonna have all these nice cars. I've uh, no, you don't get paid, shit. you're paid the least amount for a long time. Yep. you got to be ready, like you said, to eat ramen and spaghettios. It's coming. That's it. <laughs> if you want dessert, get bread and cinnamon and sugar and travel that shit up in a bowl, and there's your dessert. Because I've been there, bro. I've been there, but I can tell you with when it comes to uh, building a business and me doing yeah. it three different times and all three times struggling. I, I was lucky enough to have my Verizon job for the first one. And then I had a little bit of money in the, in the bank for the second one. And then I had more money in the bank for the third one until it all ran out. And I was like, oh shit. And then it worked. But rule number one, you pay your people first. Yes. Rule number two, you pay your vendors. Mm-hmm. Rule number three, if you have anything left, reinvest it. And if you have anything after that, you get a little something something. Yeah. If you follow that like you just said and you can make smart decisions based on real data for the company mm-hmm. and not oh shit, I got to I got to pay for this. What am I going to do? I got to pay my mortgage. Then you can actually grow a business. Otherwise you're going to fail. I agree with you 100%.
1: So I guess then looking at that for yourself then. You mentioned you did that with the first business. You you didn't do that for the others because you kind of had, you know, you had this lumps on there that you would already made and so how did you kind of get through those tough times as your other businesses started to scale?
0: Well, the first one, I was lucky I had that other job and then left when the time was right when I can get a paycheck. The second one, I sold my company into an existing company and we took an 18, I was an 18 million, no, I was a $12 million company. This company was an $18 million company. We put it together and did 38 million in sales uh, the first year together, and we we too many chiefs in the in the in the kitchen. Dude. Right, like, like chefs in the kitchen. Like you know, I'm a, a personality. This guy's an a it was like, look, I see things this way. You see things that way. Look, we we've scaled. We've been more profitable. Let's go. He stayed in home security. I decided to take a chance in solar. I thought I would crush it year one. Year one, because I had that lump sum of money and I had a house pretty much paid for, I didn't Mm -hmm. need a paycheck. Okay. We're okay. Lost a million dollars. I had to come somewhere. Fine. Get into year two. During year two, I had to sell my house on the lake. Wife gave me the stink eye. Kids are pissed. My wife's like, what are you doing in this? So you guys suck. You're not making money. What are you doing? And I was like, for the first time, I felt like I was going to lose. And dude, Jeremy, I will tell you, I'm the type of person I don't fucking like to lose. I will Mm -hmm. rip my best friend's face off his skull and take his (laughs) ass across the finish line to win. I'm not fucking losing. He'll be faceless, but we're fucking winning. I say it every time, like, I'm gonna fucking win. I'm not gonna lose. I don't care, we're winning. And so I was back against the wall, like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? Well, then it got to the point I ran out of money. I sold the house, I put that into the business, and now things got real. And all of a sudden, I, I, I eliminated a lot of the staff. I started doing things like I knew back when I built the home security company, I need to do everything. I started learning about permits, design, structural uh, engineer stamps. I started dealing with, you know, our customer care. I made the phone calls. I ran the fucking sales appointments. I would sit in and I wouldn't tell them I'm the CEO of Power of Solar. I'd say, yeah, I'm a sales agent. I'll call my manager, get this proof. Motherfucker, I'm the one writing the checks. I don't, <laughs> I'm going in and doing that. And guess what? Now I ain't got to pay sales commission. Mm-hmm. And I'm fucking writing the deals, and the company's more profitable. When I started to bootstrap and do that, game changing. By the end of 16, I finally got on payroll. Mm-hmm. And in 17, we kept, momentum grew. I closed the deal. You know, we were in our second state. I closed the deal with the Detroit Lions to put solar on the NFL stadium. And then, um, did, and we switched to American made panels. We doubled in size overnight and the rest is history. We just continued to scale and grow. And the biggest deal is I don't get paid. Even though we did mm-hmm. 380 million in sales last year, and we'll do 750 million this year. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I make more. It means the company's worth more. It means mm-hmm. my employees are worth more. It right. means our stock is worth more. That's the options we're trying to grow this business to. I don't, when you leverage yourself like that, like you don't need to make more money and milk the company out. You mm-hmm. can grow a company the right way.
1: I, I, I want to talk about that too, because I feel like a lot of businesses are in that in, in, interesting situation. Like you talked about in the beginning there. And I know like, you know, I've been there and it's like, you figure out how do you hire that first person and stuff. So I guess for you, like when you were looking at it, you know, you said you were writing the deals yourself, you're doing the different things yourself. Like what was kind of, I guess the first position you're like, okay, well, I can finally get myself out of this. So I know different people have different opinions on it. I know for me, it was sales. I was like, once I could stop doing sales and doing more business development, we're in good shape. But I guess, what was that for you?
0: Well, because of the experience, you know, you inspect what you expect. And I got to dip into all kinds of different aspects of this business. I realized this wasn't like home security where we lick them, stick them, put alarm in and sell the paper. We have to yeah. get a fucking permit we have to wait for an interconnection we need to design like there were so many moving pieces and then the worst part is the finance companies wouldn't pay us until it installed so i'm out marketing i'm out commission i'm out all these 70 80 percent of the cost of the system i already spend before we see a dollar so it was a cash flow nightmare mm. and that pressure you know is what makes me kind of tough today like fuck i've seen right. the worst right and i've never of payment to any employee ever. I've told some vendors to fuck off for a month or two, right? Hey, yeah, you have to wait, but I'm sorry. I, I put something on it, but I ain't got it. Wait, I'm coming. But, and I've been not paid many, many, many times. However, when it comes to you know, growing the business and, and struggling like that. When you learn those aspects of the business, when you go into those, mm-hmm. those different departments and you see, I'm a natural sales dude, but I'm yeah. also an operational person. I can streamline cost. I can I can scale. And I think the moment I was able to not deal with the production side, the installation side and the equipment side, because that's the stuff that bores me. That's the mm-hmm. stuff that I struggle with. Like, you know, I love installers. That's our backbone because those guys, their job is thankless. They're fucking installing in snow Pale, hot days, like their job is, it's the hardest job. Yeah. down. But I don't relate to them as well Mm -hmm. because I'm like, you still get a paycheck, motherfucker, whether you drill a hole or you don't, you get paid. Salespeople, they only get paid if someone says yes. Right. So I'm naturally a sales guy. So I wanted to stay involved in sales and did. Sure. I wanted to pull away from the operational stuff. So once I was able to scale and put some right people in there, it allowed me to kind of divert more to sales.
1: Got it. That makes sense. And I guess then, in terms of like you like scaling, because you mentioned that those it started to compound pretty quickly. Then like, I guess after that, and you mentioned like I think year three and year four. So I guess for you, what things were you focusing on that allowed you to compound like that? Because I think at the same time, like you can see businesses they get critical mass, but then they get distracted and they go down the wrong road. And I guess for you, like what were you then focusing on, and what were you putting your attention on so that growth happened?
0: So in 17, when we started to flirt with on our pace to make 40 million in sales, that's what we ended up with was 40 million. I started to get in a position where I knew we needed to raise some capital Mm -hmm. because in the construction game and anybody in construction would relate to this, it is a cash flow nightmare. You can be a profitable yeah. company, but you're paying for everything before you see a penny. And that's how solar business is. I never realized that. I didn't do enough research. And so in 17, as we continued to invest and sell, it, we didn't have the cash to grow because it was like we are not making it fast enough to catch up to our growth. I, di- I didn't know what private equity, how it worked. I didn't mm-hmm. know this is a true statement what the fuck EBITDA was till two years ago. <laughs> and I've ran companies forever because mine was a cash flow company. I did right. the books, I did everything. So. This was like, I'm in a spot, I need help. And I I would tell listeners out there or any kind of entrepreneur, you got to stick your ego to the side. You can't Mm -hmm. be great at everything. Superman doesn't build the best company the fucking Avengers do, right? Right. You need a team. And so- I was like, i i need I need somebody smart enough to get us private equity. I hired a president of the company. He's been around billion dollar acquisitions. He knew how to get private equity. His whole job was to make us more compliant, you know, build corporate structure with hr and compliance and accounting, get our books cleaned up, hire a CFO, and find us some private equity. Mm-hmm. He had six months to do that. In six months, it wasn't done. Mm. So here we are. We doubled in size again not because of him. And I love him. He's still on our team. He's he's a mentor to me, but he's not a grower. He's not a driver, right? right? And so I had to go to him and have a tough conversation and say, look, Steve, I'm, we're going to have to let you go. And he's like, why? And I said, the company's doing great. I said, but you haven't brought any private equity money. And now that the company's doing great, I don't know if we need it because then we built a credit line with our, with the, uh, uh, um, the finance companies where now they're paying us a little bit earlier. So cash flow wasn't as bad. And I'm like, we don't need anybody to buy into our company. And he sat me down and he goes, Listen, Jason, in order for you to do the big things you want to do in this company, to go public or to, to take this to the next level where all the employees can have a life-changing event, like you say, to make this a billion dollar company one day, you gotta have private equity. I don't care if you need it. You gotta have debt. You gotta, you gotta go through these check boxes. And mm-hmm. he woke me up and I said, all right, man, I'll give you 90 more days. Well, he got it done. And Mm. he brought on a financial partner, a minority partner that came in and gave us the cash flow to accelerate even more growth and Mm. allow us to scale and get bigger and larger and open up multiple states at once and start to do this thing and build a brand, partner with five NFL teams, all these things we started to do that here we are that when they invested their money and they're going to make 10, 15 times their money in less Mm than
1: Three years. Wow!
0: So they're excited, and since then we hired a, a great CFO. I hired a great CSO. That was my old partner at the second company, and mm-hmm. brought him in because he's sales aligned and he's organized. And you know, there's things that each person on my team do that that better than me that that I can't. That I need. And my mm-hmm. job's to be the vision and the you know the one pushing our force and motivating people and the accountability factor on the executives. And their job is really to grow their own book of business in their departments. And You know, I've got a great team and I'm only as good as my team is. And our team will continue to grow as we grow because we're in waters we're not used to. But my advice is when you get in spots where it's uncomfortable, you gotta be comfortable being uncomfortable. You Mm -hmm. need to be able to put your ego to the side and find the right partners to make you better. And they can't be the same as you.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I guess that kind of brings me me two things that I that I want to kind of talk about with that. Uh, one we'll get to in a second, which is you know some of the partnerships you've had, which is pretty awesome. But the thing I want to go with first is like you as the executive. Yeah. Um. You know, you 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 mentioned like you know like even having mentorship within your team, but I think at the same time when you're the person driving the vision, you also have to have somebody that I guess you connect with and you speak to, and and I guess so. Like, how have you sought that for yourself so that you can? You know, cause some days you're going to get down, man. You're going to get beat up some days. Like who do you talk to or who, or how do you, you know, seek that to keep yourself keeping the vision big?
0: Well, part of the stuff that I love about the podcast is I get to talk to people like yourself or right. David Meltzer or different people that can be like a coach to you in your life. Or right. you hear different things that happen, Brian, you know, Scudmore different people. You're like, wow. Like you learn. Secondly, I have a CEO coach, Brian Elias, mm-hmm. um, he sold his company for like $80 million a few years back. And he, you know, we met at the gym here in Michigan and he's kind of take me under his wing. And he's the one that's helped me grow a little bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, the problem is, is as your company grows, you better grow with it. And yeah, I've realized that I'm trying to drink from the fire hydrant to try to keep up with the company. <laughs> but I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta bring some big dogs with me that are smart. And our company may outgrow some other people. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it never outgrows me, but it may outgrow some other people. I have to be ready to deal with that and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And so we just keep evolving, but you're right. It gets lonely. And I challenge myself every day, every week, every month. I tell our company, we break records. We had seven back-to-back record-breaking months last month. Mm -hmm. I tell them every month is a playoff game. If we celebrate too long, we might as well go out of business. We have to beat every month, every month. And so they have that mentality in our cultures there, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm always learning. I'm always looking for yeah. coaches. I learn from everybody—ideas, tips, things they've been through. I just I try to be a sponge, and then I try to give back.
1: And and I guess like like looking at it, like one of the things that I've really tried to work on, um, and and I guess you know it is different because I'm in business with my spouse, but like you you try to not bring home some of the things that you deal with at work during the day, you know, because things come up. You know, you you may get hot headed, you may have different things happen. I guess for you, like. How have you tried to, because work-life balance is bullshit. Like, it isn't a real thing. But I guess, like, how have you tried to, I guess, you know, keep yourself in a position so you're not bringing those things to the people you really care about? So, you know, if if you get the question, I think that was a weird way of asking it. No,
0: I get the question. So before I moved to Michigan, I was grinding and I was in all of the weeds. So mm-hmm. I was, I'm like a Tasmanian devil. I'm opening up this department. And I'm like, <laughs> the fuck are you guys doing? All right. You're fired and you're fired. Fuck. What are you guys are wasting money? Like people are like, please don't let Jason come in here. So it was so bad when I was there grinding, when mm-hmm. I moved to Michigan, I went through a little depression stage because I come here. I don't have an office originally. We had to open a corporate office, a call center here. I've never worked from home before. That's what I do now. So I'm yeah. going to this office and I don't have the rest of the executives, the whole company, like the 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 backbone. It's not there. I, I feel like an outsider. I feel... What am I bringing to the table? This is when I started to call and work with the NFL teams. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I got to find, I got to think future. I got to, I got to look at bigger picture. I got to empower them to grow. I can't cover them with my branches and not let them grow. I got to move and let them, Mm -hmm. let them grow. I got to trust them. So I, it was hard. I started to do that. And I'd go to the office and it was eerie. We'd have five employees in this huge 20,000 square foot building. Then it was 10. And I'm like, then it got to 20. I said, I'm out. Like, I'm going to work from home. Y'all got this. I don't need to make every $5 decision. I got a nice office at home. I'm going to start doing that. So I started functioning. Now I started working more, but I wasn't into the grind. I was mm-hmm. into calls with teams and partnerships and states were opening up and marketing stuff. And I was like making commercials. I was like, this I love it's new. It's not what's our budget look like? Where's this in Star? Are we find a license holder, like it wasn't the grind. And mm-hmm. so that allowed me, I started that in 18 to really get away from it. And because I was here, I was able to, you know, oh, this day I'll hang out with the kids more, and this day I'll hang out with the kids more. So I was able to balance a little bit more. Sure. Then recently, because we're getting ready to go to transaction, and with COVID, we doubled in size that kind of went out the the, the waste because I had the time and I'm like, I might as well start this podcast. I have, <laughs> I have
1: a few hours a week. That, shit, that seems like, to be like as, as entrepreneurs, like something we do, we get ourselves a few minutes and we like put something in that time. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> we get bored because we always have to, when we're used yeah. to juggling five balls and two are in the sidelines, we're like, uh, I, I can't, I'm bored. I, I need more balls. Make my life fucking hell. Can you give me more shit to do? Yeah, me? exactly. And then if we don't have it, I'll go crazy. But when I have it, I'm like, shit, I, I can't catch my breath. Well, I need that. I mm-hmm. need that or I'll die. That's mm-hmm. how I feel. So I need the podcast. I need the book. I need the, you know, I need all that shit to fill those spots where I have time. Now mm-hmm. I'm overwhelmed, but it's okay. I'll get through it. It makes me tougher.
1: Well, I guess then looking at it, like like for you, like as a company, as a brand and, and you know, with with, with what you're doing with your team, like how do you set yourself up to position yourself for the right partnerships, right? Because I, I think like not every company is gonna get those because they don't position themselves their correctly. I was talking to a, uh, a gentleman about this not too long ago, uh, Jason Harris, he runs a company called Mechanism. They're, they're one of the, the biggest marketing and branding companies out there. They work with like Ben and Jerry's, they've worked with Netflix and things like that. And you've worked with a lot of NFL teams. Yeah. Not a lot of brands are gonna create those opportunities for themselves. I guess, how do you position yourself to create that?
0: All it takes is one right? Mm -hmm. If you ask a thousand people and one finally says yes, once you have that one, you have the credibility. Mm -hmm. And because I'm a huge Lions fan, always have been, my dad's from here and I came up here and, you know, we were looking at different things. I met with the Lions. They wanted us to be a corporate sponsor Mm -hmm. where we pay to use their logo and do things. So at the last minute, uh, we decided, you know what? I have an idea. We're gonna fucking. They want us to do this deal. We're gonna make them get solar on Ford Field or their or their training facility. So I took a chance and threw that shit in there and said, okay, well, if you do this, they came back. Well, we don't fucking do that. So we ain't got a fucking deal. You gotta be. You gotta play to win. You gotta <laughs> play like you got ace, right? You can't play like you got two seven offsuit. Fucking play like you got the ace. I'm like, all right, Well, then we're good. And I was good. I was willing to walk away. Hold on. Let's see if we can get approved. It took four months. They mm. got it approved. And then, holy shit, we're like we're putting solar at Ford Field and in mm-hmm. their training facility. My favorite football team, it's an NFL franchise. We're approved by the NFL to do this. That one allowed me the other four, allowed me the Major League Baseball one, allowed mm-hmm. us the... And like, it only takes one because they're like, oh, well, if they did it, we can do it. Then each one only took like a month to negotiate instead of four. Sure. And it just... You just need one. And so you keep going till you get one. And then each one gets easier. And you learn, hey, these are the things, the assets we want. These are the assets we don't want. And the whole reason we put solar on the stadium is people think, oh, you guys got rich doing that. Hell no. In fact, we mm-hmm. lost money. But what we did is we built credibility. When we go yes. into your home, we're like, hey, Jeremy, we install solar at Ford Field here in Michigan. The Alliance trusts us, surely you're gonna trust us. That credibility gives our sales reps confidence, gives our brand swag confidence. You know, mm-hmm. we need that stuff to grow our company. And so that's why we did it. And it's we're the only one that is that have done more than three NFL stadiums. We've mm. done five.
1: I, I can really appreciate that too, because I know like at my company, Command Your Brand, like one of the things that I've always made really important to us is case studies, right? Like, yeah. you know, like we've worked with this person. This is exactly what we did for them. This is the exact results we created because then other people want to see like, number one, like if, the, if you've worked with them, they want to work with you too. But at the same time, yeah. they want to see like, what can you do? And I, I can also see like with sports teams looking at your company, they want to see an example. What does this look like? How does it work? How does it function? Mm-hmm. So they can kind of think with it and see it. So sometimes you got to take that risk to make it happen.
0: And I tell those teams, because some of them want to buy solar. They're mm-hmm. like, we want to go green and save money. And some of them just want us as a sponsor. So I go, look, I don't give a shit if you buy one panel or 5 million panels. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to get rich on selling you solar. I'll do it for cost. Mm-hmm. I'm here to use, to say, I, we're going to be real partners. It's not going to be, we're a proud partner of, and you don't have my product. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to say, this is a real partner who has my product and we have their product. And so it works. Mm-hmm. And that has allowed us to really scale that and do the partnerships.
1: Well, I, I guess I'm looking at it, Jason. Like we've, we've talked about a lot of different stuff today. I've, I've really enjoyed this. Like, If you are to look at like one of the biggest lessons you've learned, I like guess through the journey thus far, like there's a lot more journey to go, but through the journey thus far, what would you say that lesson is? I would say
0: uh, you, you got to trust your intuition and you can't, <clears throat> you can't, be scared to bet on yourself. You know, I know too many people, especially during COVID that now have an opportunity. They take this bad thing and they see an opportunity. They want to open a business and then they get it started for like three weeks and then they back out and they quit Mm -hmm. or they get it started for two months. And like, I'm not making money and they quit. I didn't make money for two years. Yeah. And my first company I ever opened, I didn't make money for nine months. Mm -hmm. You're not going to make money get yourself established, eat the ramen, eat the spaghettios, eat the bread and cinnamon and sugar, whatever you've got to do, invest in yourself and don't quit. And eventually, things will get better if you stay the course and you believe in it. But if you don't, they won't. And you're just, you're only hurting yourself. I've seen mm-hmm. too many good people quit early on themselves and it's unfortunate. And I just wish they wouldn't do that. That, that would be the lesson I've learned is not to quit because I almost quit. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing I just, I don't want to quit. I told you I want to fucking win. Yeah. And I was at that border, man. I mean, I'm telling you if the day could have been a little bit different, I would have shut the doors. Mm-hmm. I was that close to doing it. And I said, nah, I got to try one more time. I'm going down with a fucking blaze, dude. They're going to I, they're gonna have to get, uh, I'm trying to think of that movie, uh, Tropic Thunder.
1: Like, <laughs> for <laughs> Earth, motherfucker.
0: They're going to have to like remove, there's just no way I'm going anywhere. Oh, okay. You have to get a NAFTA agreement. Like I ain't leaving. That's how I felt.
1: My, my wife hates me for the movie Tropic Thunder, by the way. It's one of those movies that I know every single line in. I love but anyway movie. i love that movie. <laughs> took a whole lot of trying to get up that hill but now we in the big leagues it's a yeah. theme song from the jeffersons anyway uh- <laughs> yeah my
0: favorite part though it's tom cruise every time he's a listen fuck face <laughs> <laughs> that's me on the phone my wife's like that's you i'm like I,
1: I, you know. less grossman um but i oh. guess then looking at it jason like it, like 21-year-old Jason, let's let's you know think about him real quick. What's something that he believed that you do not believe now?
0: I would say, that's a great question. I would say at 21 that I believe that I don't believe now. I used to believe that unions were good mm. and that teachers were overpaid. And I think unions are shit and teachers are underpaid. And mm. not that the two tie together, but my dad was a union steward in a union... Sure to me, doesn't do anything except keep money and then they're never there. They have a weak backbone, my opinion. And I live in Michigan, it's a huge union state. I always tell people unions are full of shit and they take your money. But teachers, I feel like in this world, now that I've got older kids and stuff, I, I just wish they would pay teachers and police and firemen like they pay doctors, lawyers, and dentists. Yeah. If we did that, we elevated the education a little bit. I just feel like our world would be better because everything that we're lacking is people's education. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go to school. And the schools we have now are bullshit anyways. They should oh, yeah. be teaching fucking world history and like, you know, let me teach you how to write bullshit. Nobody everybody fucking types, nobody's writing. Mm-hmm. And secondly, teach people how to budget a fucking uh, checkbook, you know, teach them about debt, teach them mm-hmm. about, you know, how to scale, how to do things, code, something that they don't do. And I wish we would evolve that. But but back when I was 21, I mm-hmm. was envious. Like, I wish I went to college. I mm-hmm. wish I this. And, and, and I wish, you know, teachers are overpaid and unions are, are great. And I, I don't believe that now. And I also believe you don't need to go to school to make a great living. Mm-hmm. Experience is a better school than going to college. You should go to college because you need that degree to work in the profession. You want to work and you love it Mm -hmm. or or go for the experience. Don't go to just fucking go. Don't go because people say that's what you're supposed to do. No, Mm -hmm. it's not.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess then one final question, and that's, that's kind of looking at the idea of legacy, right? Like, you know, there's a reason why we do a lot of what we're doing and some of it's to make money, some of it's to make an impact, but it's also a lot of what we're leaving behind and doing for others. And I guess if you were far in the future and you could tell us what that legacy looks like, man, like what is the legacy you're going to leave behind look like?
0: Well, on a business standpoint, I want all the employees, we're 1,700 plus strong at Power Home, and hopefully by the time this happens, we're at 2,500 or 3,000, but I want all of them to have a life-changing event. Whether it's an mm. IPO, whether it's gain share, I want every one of them to go wow. You know, Power Home delivered. I delivered for Power Home, not me, them. I delivered for Power Home, working my tail off, and they delivered for me by giving me a, a, a piece of the pie. I want them. I want us to do that. That to me, that's legacy in the business standpoint. All the employees were taken care of somehow, and then mm-hmm. they have life changing events. Then, then their efforts didn't go unnoticed. It just wasn't a paycheck. And two, for my family, I just want. My, I want them to be appreciative. I want them to love love each other and appreciate what we're, what we were able to do and to not feel the pressures that I felt of not, you know, having to go to college. Like my oldest, she's 22. She's the best mom on the planet. She mm-hmm. can not go to college. She doesn't need to. And I tell my kids, if you want to go to college, I'll pay for it, mm-hmm. but you don't have to, mm-hmm. you tell me what you want to do and we'll do it. And I think when you remove that pressure, your kids and your family and people become creative. When you have that pressure, it's like it's like working and needing a paycheck as a CEO. Exactly you make decisions where you feel forced. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing for kids. And so on a personal level, I don't want them to ever feel pressured to do something they don't want to do.
1: Well, Jason, this has been a lot of fun, man. Like I was really looking forward to this. And for right. all the people listening and, and watching this, if they want to connect with you, yep. you know, check out True Underdog podcast, you know, where's going to be the best place for them to do that?
0: So you can go to jasonwaller.com where it's got true underdog. UnderDog.com on there, and it's also got powerhome.com on there. So if you're interested in getting a job or working at PowerHome or getting solar, that's there. You can also check out the podcast on iHeart, Spotify, Google, Apple. And then now we've got that new. I just told you, what is that thing called? It is called Oh Clubhouse. Clubhouse. So check me out, Jason Waller, Clubhouse. That's the new up and coming thing. LinkedIn, the whole nine. I appreciate it. Very cool. Jason Waller,
1: thank you so much for hanging out with me today on the Create Your Own Life Show. Thank you, Jeremy. Bam. Hey, what is up, everybody? Jeremy here. And as always, I'm bringing you guys some incredible people that are doing really big things. And I got to tell you, I am very excited for today's episode because I actually got a chance to go on his podcast. And I'm like, dude, why the fuck am I not interviewing you? Welcome to the Create Your Own Life Show, Jason Waller. Bam! How you doing, baby? <laughs> now, hey, man.
0: I didn't I wear think, a I Superman th- shirt. I got a true underdog podcast shirt. My muscles don't look as good as yours, but I'm working on it.